Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today, we have Danny Baitor with us. This is going to be a good one for everybody who is into flips, who is into the single family, long-term hold. Danny's a master um, with over, it looks like 5,000 transactions at this point, which is quite a few. Um, Danny is focused on the one to four range. I know a lot of people, when they get started in investing, they like to start on those single families, you know, the, the, the single, single unit, the duplexes, the triplexes, those mm-hmm. kind of rentals, the long-term holds. Danny's a master in that game and he does it out of state. So if you guys think your state is too expensive, Danny's in California. You can't get more expensive than that. Yes. Danny, I am super excited to have you on. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you, my friend. Nice to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we hopped on here, we like to start with stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are. I'm sure you got a good story. So why don't you take us to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate? Uh, well, originally, I don't know if uh, Gabe, uh, you know, if people who are listening can detect, but uh, may, may, they may detect, uh, you know, an accent. <laughs> I'm originally from Israel. Okay. Uh, born and raised, spent three years in the military, in the Israeli military, in the special forces. Got my engineering degrees uh, post post uh, you know the military service, uh, and then started working for the Israeli high tech you know uh, kind of industry companies or one or two. And I was just very um, shocked uh, by the fact that uh, I'm on a path, I'm on a road to do to work a lot of hours. You know, um, you know, long hours, long days, very demanding. Pays well, I, I wouldn't say it doesn't pay well, but I just didn't like the the math here. All those, you know, the next is that what's going to happen in the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years working hard. And I could tell by looking at the generation ahead of me, that's exactly what they've done. They all own a piece of condo, maybe with a mortgage 15, 20 years later. I, I just I didn't like that. Uh, f- that formula did not uh, work well with me, and I just uh, told myself that I am not agreeing with this road that I'm already on, with this highway of you know for hardworking for the next 15, 10 years. Don't get me wrong; I've always been a hard worker. Like since I was thirteen, my first job always. So that was not a problem. I just didn't want to put all the time and effort. And to be, and you know, I didn't mind being an employee. I just didn't like the outcome of that mm-hmm. box. Yep. Uh, you know, we call it the rat race. I, I just whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. So many people they they get caught up in that uh, that trajectory where yes, they're working exactly. in a job, um, but they really want the financial freedom. I feel like freedom is really what everybody is trying to go exactly after when they that. think about real estate. Um, and that sounds like that's the direction you took. So keep going. Yeah, so uh, I, I I don't think I even uh, was smart enough to call it financial freedom or all those all those things that we know exactly what what we mean nowadays. But it just didn't add up, and that's why I uh, started looking for something else to do with the funds, with the money that I was saving. So the job was a good thing, you know. I didn't look to leave the job. The job was generating cash into my life. Now, what am I doing with the things that I'm saving? 
And that's when I started kind of doing a little bit of stocks and options, not for a long time, wasn't very happy. And I got, um, I went to, uh, to a class or a lecture about U.S. real estate. So here I am, young guy. This is 2001, 2002. Nobody's doing U.S. real estate around me, right? I'm, there's not so popular. There's no Facebook. There's no YouTube. <laughs> Google so you're, was a you're in right? Israel at this point, right? You're in Israel, in Israel in thinking about investing abroad. Yeah, you know, and I was, I was, I was asking myself, like, what were you thinking, Danny, back then? <laughs> you know, when you really think about it, it's a different time zone. It's not just about different language. There's, um, there's English and there's American English, right? There's mm. two different things from, from my end: uh, laws, regulation, culture. Uh, everything is different, right? And even back then, the perception of Real estate, you know, sometimes when you hear real estate, you know, speakers, they come across not so, you know, yeah. not a little so bit salesy, squeaky clean, and you're not sure. And everybody around me was telling me, "Hey, listen, you're gonna be get advantage. You know, people take advantage of you. All, all the bad stuff, all the negative stuff. In you know, and I've I lack the experience. Well, what do I know, right? I'm a young guy. I I was in the U.S. for two years in high school. That's as that as much my experience uh, has been. Maybe you've been to, through high school in the U.S. Real estate was not on my mind. Actually, it was not even in my in my sphere of thinking. Right? I was a uh, many other things were not real estate. Right? So, um, but that got me picked. That got me interest. You know, going to that lecture, read a little bit, tried to research a little bit as much as you know the available information at the time. I was you know I was limited, but not 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 exist. And I decided after a year of going to hear and listen and talking as much as I can, you know, there's no investment club in Israel, right? That doesn't exist. Now they do. Back then, nothing. And I just told myself, listen, Danny, are you a talker or are you a walker? Are you going to do something about it or keep going to those events again and again and again? Mm. And I convinced myself that I need to pull the trigger because I could not see a better path. That seems to be the best path to at the time. I pulled the trigger, bought a little house. Not a, not a little, but a nice house for $130,000 in one of Phoenix suburbs, sight unseen, different wow. country, different culture, all those, I call it all those gaps um, in 2002. And that is that, that was my start. Um, and when that started, I very quickly uh, pivoted myself personally. I got really fascinated by real estate, U.S. real estate. And it was just the magnet. From that point on, the magnet for you me, the magnet. The bug. You were was, you were was, pulled in. Was planted. Yep. Yeah. I then it. I moved to the states to do to do exactly that because I just got so excited with it. But that was the that was truly truly the beginning. And I think uh, all those gaps. I'm like, I you have to be naive, young, stupid, you know, <laughs> and and lack the, the real knowledge to pull it. Because I don't think I would pull something like this today with all the knowledge that I have. All that knowledge will tell me stay away right but not yeah. back then well that's the that's the benefit of being young and dumb right because you you make those <laughs> leaps that you shouldn't be making, one of the benefits you do it anyways and it always works <laughs> out you, you know you yeah. say it's dumb but i feel like it's a good idea because yeah. it worked out for you you're here today you've done plenty of flips you've had a lot of success um, something that kind of resonated with me about your story is that you're talking about these investment you know these investment clubs and people get caught up in that loop of just going to more and more clubs, more and more, you know, conferences, all the the education loop where you just you never take action, you keep just getting sucked into more and more 
education, thinking that that's going to take you to the next level, but it doesn't. You have to pull the trigger. You have to actually get your hands dirty. And that's what you did in quite a spectacular fashion. I mean, you did it in a different country, which is, uh, it, that is, <laughs> I haven't heard of somebody doing their first investment out of country. That's, that's new and it's pretty good. Phoenix, yeah. a great market. Um, True. so how did that go? You bought that first, the first house in Phoenix, 130,000. Uh, did you, did you rehab it? Did you flip it? Um, did so, you keep it as a term? How'd that work out? So actually, uh, Gabe, uh, most of my uh, career for the past 20 years as an investor and someone who works with investors has been primarily buying long-term rentals. I've done about 90 flips, maybe give or take, uh, in my career, which is, I know for me, it's like, it's not, it's not, I know it's not a small number to do 90 or so flips, but relatively to 5,000-ish transactions of long-term rentals, it feels like insignificant number to me. Yeah. So most of my career, you know, the flipping was uh, like uh, just something supplementary, complementary for a few years that I've done. But my focus has mostly been long-term, buy and hold. I call it boring real estate. Yeah. Like buying, you know, it's not passive. And I hate when people think it's either passive or, you know, people sell the concept of it. But it's the, when, when you know, it's all on the spectrum, right? It's not passive, but also it's not heavily involved day-to-day kind of operation. Flip is not yeah. a long-term nice rentals. So uh, that, you know, that first house, um, it took 45 days to rent it. I, I still remember it because I was, didn't realize I thought you buy on a Monday, you rent on a Tuesday, right? That's my mind. That's what I expected. That's some markets, you know, you know, Tel Aviv is very much like that. Silicon Valley is very much like that. I don't know if Seattle or the Redmond Bellevue, that area is also like that or not. But most of the country, you buy a house on a Monday, you freshen it up for the next week or two, or the team does it for you. And then maybe 10 days later, they put it in the market. And now it may take two weeks, it may take a month to get the house rented, right? That's normally how it works. But when you don't know that how it works, you are freaking out. Remember, <laughs> the young guy in Israel never saw that house, never saw, never been to Phoenix. I had to look it up on the map, right? <laughs> Where Phoenix is. I only knew the name. Um, I was I was freaking out. I was freaking out not immediately it took a it took maybe two to three weeks but it got rented after 45 yeah. days and those tenants stayed there for five and a half years um uh, give or take so that has turned out to be better than I, I anticipated i had the pleasure to buy it in 2002 i think closing in 2003 phoenix you know the, the 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 rise of the rise of the boom right or the rise of not just phoenix but many markets before the crash of 2008, I was on the upswing with that. Luckily, there's no um, crystal ball telling me to do that. I just bought the tickets. You just got so lucky. Speak. And I mean, luck yeah, is definitely that, a part of the game. Um, if you're lucky, you can't be lucky because... if you're not investing. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to move us on a little bit uh, sure. just because I know, you know, we are running down the clock here. I want to get into how you scaled. You know, so many people when they get into real estate, they start in single family rentals. Um, you know, I generally throw a lot of shade at single family rentals just because I'm on the commercial side, but it is a very uh single family rentals, there's so many of them out there, and it is a very, very, very solid uh strategy to go after to buy those rentals and hold them for a long time, especially if you can get a lot of them in a small area so you can really capitalize on your team and being able to use one repair guy for 20, 30 houses. So once you took, bought that first Phoenix rental, 
How did you go from that to your portfolio? How did you scale from there? So uh, my philosophy has been, you know, to, you know, to set up, lo- you know, uh, infra- local infrastructure, you know, property managers, agents, whatever you need in every market. Don't spread around. You know, maybe, maybe few markets, but just concentrate on on one or two or three, and exactly leverage on that or scale on that uh, uh, team. But because I. You know, simply do it. My company is 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 a is a, is a bigger core organization. Um, when we go to Phoenix or when we go to Kansas City or St. Louis, and we set up those teams, we're gonna buy 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 properties in the next year in that local market. Myself personally, maybe, and my clients with me. So the scaling is the power of the group. It's what works because. When I go to an agent and I'm telling him, listen, I'm going to buy 20, even 20 properties from you next year, not to mention 40 or, or, or 60, right? But whatever that number is, it, it's not one or two. Their all attitude is going to be different. Like I, this is this is a VIP client. I mean, our organization, I'm going to say whatever they want. I'm going to go that extra, not mile, but 10 miles. And the same thing goes with the property managers, right? The property managers see a, a, a big, a big, you know, a big client, a big account here. They're going to give us discount. They're going to get, treat our clients, uh, the, uh, you know, our group better. So it's a win-win. You know, if Gabe comes to me and buys with me in, let's say, Nashville, and benefit, you know, he empowers our group, and he will also benefit from being part of that group. If Gabe goes by himself, you'll be fine, right? But you're not going to have that additional layer of support, additional layer of, of buying power. It's very natural to get that. So all my career for the past 20 years has been establishing those power power groups right and when mm-hmm. you have the power group then the scalability comes in because yes it gives us power with the agent and the property managers that's all, almost obvious but then i go in and we find a bulk of properties let's just say 10 properties single family homes gabe goes by himself try to buy those 10 maybe he can get it maybe not maybe he finds another friend like i can you know we can get the group again the group effort here comes in we make make an offer on all 10 properties and maybe 10 investors each buying one, right? So we are grouping, not doing a syndication, but a group purchase, everybody's right. picking one. Maybe, you know, yep. maybe five buyers, each one is buying two, whatever the number is, right? The whole point is that all of a sudden we have access to properties that sometimes individually we're not going to be able to to tap into that into those buying power those bulk situation. So that's one way to scale, but also being part of the group it helps you scale because a lot of the time people are held back not by the opportunity, the property, but because the operation around it pulls them down. Right? A lot of people I've been hearing from a lot, a lot of investors hearing it my entire career. They are have some intimidation from being. A single or a double property owner with a property manager out there, and they feel somewhat powerless because of the lack of knowledge or extensive knowledge. Even if they have some knowledge, maybe not as extensive, but also he has, you know, the manager is managing 500 properties. Why would he care about me owning just one or two, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I, not uh, saying I definitely not, ran but- into that when I when I first got started. I had uh, it was it was like one duplex, and I. I would want, I went out and I interviewed property managers and they did not care because I had one, in fact, a couple of them said, you know, you're just not, not big enough for us. 
uh, for, you know, for their group, which makes sense, you know, they want scale. And so if you're coming at them with one, two properties, you're not going to be able to really create, you know, incentivize the property managers versus if you came in with a group, this is a, a your, your model sounds pretty unique because I, there's not a lot of people out there who, I mean, it's not a syndication. You guys aren't buying them under one LLC under one umbrella. You're going out there, you're buying them individually, right. but then you're right. combining your forces to kind of exactly. achieve that the economies of scale that would happen if exactly. you were to buy it in a syndication. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I have done syndication in the past and, and that's maybe something that we do here and there as a something that complements everything, all the efforts of buying. But for the most part, you know, it, it, people are buying our clients. They're it's like an umbrella of services or platform you can step on. And use the knowledge, the support, the help that we provide. But also, at the end of the day, you own the property 100%. You, you're calling all the shots. You want to buy on a Monday, sell on a Tuesday. And, you know, even in, you, you, you know, I'll tell you, you're going to lose money maybe. It's your decision, right? But you're still going to be a part of that group. You're still going to benefit from all those um, support points or milestones of things that can happen. So one of the things we tell our clients, when you buy, you end up, when you close on the property, number one or number seven or whatever, we are not going anywhere because you will have issues. You will have problems. You will have friction with tenants, you know, repairs and, and property management. For the most part, you'll be able to deal with them by yourself because we teach you how to do it, the basic stuff. But we are here to help you anytime you feel, you know, kind of lost or not sure what to do. We are here because when I call this when I call the property management company in Nashville, they have about 900 properties they manage. Our group is somewhere between 250 to 275, you know, something like that, you know, properties or doors out of that. that you yeah, know, almost 25% of their entire 25% ish, give or take, yeah. belongs to our clients, right? When I call the owner of that company and that we go back, we, we became good friends, very good friends over the years. When I call him, always, he, he the owner of the company, of 900 plus properties, he picks up the phone and say, yes, boss, what can I do for you, <laughs> right? And he's joking, but he's yeah, not, yeah, right? Yeah. And anytime that, that I call him, he's like, Danny, what is the problem and how can I help you know solve the problem that you have today? It's always the attitude of, all right, Danny, I'll do what you're saying. Okay, Danny, let me see what I can do. So I call the owner and I push him or I ask him to do and almost always he's willing and that's not, not just him. You know, the, there was another uh, another property manager company, and he calls me about you know getting advice how to make changes within his company, right? Because we are 40 percent of the of of the clients, and I tell him, "Why are you calling me?" He says, first of all, you have a lot of knowledge. I want to run it by you." And second, if I don't get your blessing on do, on making changes, it may not fly. So I want to pick <laughs> your brain about doing it, but I also want to get your blessing because. I may get a feedback or reject from my clients and I need your blessing first of all. Mm. And his, his initiative to run by, by me and, and I want to help him to do better because when I help those guys do better and the agents, everybody succeeds, right? They're yeah. getting better at what they do. The clients benefits and then we benefit. So it's kind of, it's an obvious win-win-win, but you just have to put the time and attention and knowledge and care, right? To get those things, you know, kind of get them done. Uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, no, the I, yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the model you guys are kind of running with. Um, let's talk a little bit about markets because 
a lot of people live in markets like yours in LA and San Diego, <coughs> you know, uh, right. New York, Seattle, these markets that the price points are so high that it's really hard to find properties at cash flow. And so they do need to look outside of their own state borders to find something that makes a little bit more sense. I know you are, I mean, you are the master of out-of-state investing because you started out-of-country investing. That's, uh, yeah. that's you know, the next level. So For when me, out-of-state is easy. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to choosing a market, when it comes to deciding where to go and put your money out of your own, you know, your own city, state, how do you go about selecting that market? So uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'll tell you kind of the highlights. I look for metros around the country that are, uh, that are at least a million people population-wise or up. There are plenty of them. So that's one. I like to be more than a million, but probably would not go less than a million, just give or, give or take. Um, so that's one criteria. I want to see that there are multiple large employers present, representing different industries in that local market. Um, I want to see that those markets, those metros are on the receiving end of the migration patterns in the country, mm, right? Yep. So there are those migration going back and projected to the future. I want to be at the at where people are heading, not where people are living, right? Naturally. Um, those are the kind of uh, main criteria just to see which one fits. Then I like to go to the upper middle class, middle middle class, lower middle class type of schools, neighborhood communities. And then I check if the numbers work. So Phoenix, great. I love it. I love it, right? But $450,000 home rents for 2000 2500 even more. Just numbers don't work. I want to buy something for, let's say, two fifty. dollars rent it for maybe 2000 1900 That's for me when I mean the numbers work. Um, there are many markets around the country that borderline that, maybe not good enough. Some can handle that. So that's something that uh, the, the next thing that I want to I wanna look for, the numbers. And then um, states that are Republican, red states, where the laws are favoring the landlord, that's also very beneficial. And lastly, which also kind of fits with everything, I like to pick states. I call it a, 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 an important secondary point, states that the weather is warmer, meaning I don't like harsh, harsh winters, right? <laughs> yeah. Harsh winters are interfering with selling in the winter, leasing in the winter. They like, they really love uh, bursting pipes. That's something mm. that that's kind of goes ahead in it. And guess what? If you look at the map, blue states, harsh winter, you know, warm states, you know, uh, uh, red states, warmer, uh, warmer uh, uh, winters, that's kind of goes ahead in it. Red states, blue states, uh, landlord-friendly laws uh, or tenant-friendly laws also. And Migration patterns in the country are showing that there is a shrinking population or, or there's a movement towards the southern warmer states, right? So it's mm. kind of all fits together. You know, even if I didn't plan for it, it just works, right? So that's classical. So the southern states for the U.S., the red states, you know, those those metros is where I'm targeting if the numbers work, right? They don't all, not all the numbers work these days. It used to be kind of changing with the cycles. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh that sounds pretty solid. And I remember when I when I got started in single family, the rule that um someone told me to go after was the 1% rule basically, you know, you find you try to find the rental rate is 1% of the purchase price, which now is almost impossible to find in in virtually any market, but um yeah. But yeah, I, I love uh, 1% rule is very superficial. If anyone is listening and using the 1%, I would say you're hurting yourself. 
one way or another. You're either missing or misleading yourself. Don't use the 1% rule, right? It's a very superficial. I don't use it anymore for almost a decade now. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, we have gone through the time. It is time to move to the quick question round. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do it. It yeah. starts with uh, books or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Um, I When I read, I actually use that time to go off the real estate uh, business. I just want to clear my head. So I'm not, I don't have really good recommendation on the real estate or business, although there's plenty of them just because, you know, my mind is elsewhere. Um, I love, but I'll give you two books that I loved. Non-real estate, right? One is called The Times Traveler's Wife. Okay, I've heard of that, yeah. The Times Traveler's Wife. Beautiful, you know, uh, smart, uh, how they things are, are play. And another one by Paul Oster, it's called Mr. Vertigo. Right? Okay. Really beautiful stories. I love those two books. One of my, probably the, my top 10 uh, books uh, ever. Nice. I I think I saw the time traveler's wife in a movie, um, and it was movie really did good. Justice. The yeah. movie was good. I think it did justice to the book, which is not always the case. I read the book first, and then I saw the movie. You can get the gist of it very well. Yeah, yeah. The movie was really good. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving us on to the next one, and this is it for your younger self. So let's go back to the Danny who was still in Israel. He was just looking, you know, just got his job as an engineer thinking this is not the path for me. Go to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Um, Less leverage, you know, be patient. Okay. I like it. Be patient. (laughs) That is a, that is good advice. (laughs) Moving us on to the next one. Um, This is about your business. All our businesses live and die by the people that work with us. So what are the first three positions you hired for? And would you do it differently if you started today? Um, okay. So the first, the best position I hired, uh, hired for that really transferred me was a full-time accountant. Oh, okay. That too, I know it's, it, it, there's no glamour, but that created where someone else is taking of things that I don't want to deal with, mm-hmm. making organizing the mess a chaos taking it off of me doing a fantastic job teaching me how to do accounting properly because i have to to abide by by his request and that freed up a lot of my time and now um for the past i don't know 10 years reports are coming quickly i can generate them quickly i'm reading them quickly so my life improved Tremendously by one single person, a proper account. My whole system, right? Taxing, taxation, and everything improved with that. So that's one. Um, then um, um, because I am in my nature the jack of all trades, it was always hard for me to find another person that would work alongside with me that will also be jack of all trades. Uh, luckily for me, I was able to find her about a year ago, and she is working alongside with me. And she is uh, Jessica, uh, truly, truly jack of all trades. So she's not, I can't say what she does exactly. She's like like me, <laughs> jack of all trades, doing a lot of things, juggling a lot of things and doing it very well. So that's always, always. it took me a while to find that person who can do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, you're the first person to say accountant, but I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I just, man, accountants, I, I have a lot of respect for you guys because I hate how just numbers everywhere and trying to figure out this 
bank account, that bank account, trying to figure out where everything's going. It's just, it's a nightmare. So it is yeah. great to, uh, great to have an accountant on board. Um, I'm going to move us on, moving us on a little bit faster here. Sure. Uh, the United States, we've already talked a little bit about it. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. So give me the metro you are most excited about investing in today. So out of the all the ones that I'm active in, there are multiple. The one that excites me most at the moment is, nobody is listening, Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's flying a little bit under the radar. It's beautiful. Quality of life is surprisingly interesting. Um, yeah, so I like it personally, but I like it as an investment as well. There are many reasons why, but I don't think we have the time right now. Maybe yeah. the, next, the next episode we'll do together. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I've actually, I have heard really good things about Birmingham. Uh, my sister almost moved down there. She liked it so much. So I, uh, it, it makes sense. I I don't know about the met, the numbers. If you like it, I'm sure it has great, uh, great migration numbers, all yeah. that stuff. So moving us on to the next one. And this is about finding deals. That is how all deals start is, uh, is finding that deal out in the first place. So what is your favorite way to go out there and find good deals? So I'll be honest, you guys, there's many deals available in plain sites called the MLS. Yep. You don't have to uh, dig harder and deep. They're there, right? You just have to work them properly. So I'm just saying it. It's not, this is the main source. We have multiple sources. I love buying houses at the auction years back. It's tricky, super tricky, you know, to buy our houses at a live auction. But you know what? MLS works right people are so off market off market maybe not now on market perfect right i i am so excited about mls and, and on market it's almost like everybody's off the off market i'll stay here you guys go <laughs> over there i have no problem with it right you yeah. know it's a little bit more how to navigate those deals and identifying the potential but you know people are so hard, working so hard on on sourcing deals yeah you know, and when it comes to, especially on the commercial side, and I'm sure it's the same on the single family side, uh, when it comes to getting good deals, it's just about the number of offers you put out there. And you can put out so many more offers when you're putting in on an offer for that's on the MLS because there's many more of them than there are off market. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Moving on to the next question. And this is about mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today? So um, there's a guy, actually, we texted uh, this morning. Uh, his name is Robert Chamin. Robert Chamin uh, is known. He has multiple books on bestsellers list, been in real estate for many, many years. Heavy, heavy, he self, self says so, heavy, dyslectic kind of a person, right? So this guy with his dyslexia succeeded very well in his life. We got connected. I saw him speak on different events over the years. About 10 years ago, I literally courted him for about almost a year to get him to be my mentor, my coach, my, my business coach, I would say, for, for a little bit. That was the only guy that I, that I wanted. It took me almost a year to nail him down for a call. And then we just hit it off from, from that point on. We got really good friends. We, we meet every once in a while, even in Israel um, or when he's around, he travels a lot. Um, so he's the guy that... Uh, he is all about giving, inspiring, motivating, um, sharing. Like he's not holding back anything. Like yeah, I'll talk talk to this guy. I talk to him. like he's all like he's kind of larger than life kind of personality with a big heart to help. So it's unbelievable to see 
someone in his caliber is never like, okay, you have to pay me or any nickel and diming at all. Let's make, let's go. Let me help you go big, right? That was like he didn't ever say that, but that was the feeling. Like, let me help you go big. Nice. So man. he's such a guy. Such a nice guy. Such a a good uh, uh, person, positive person to have in your life in everybody. Right. Well, yeah. shout out to Robert. Thank you for yeah. helping Danny get to where he is today. That yeah. moves us to the second to last question, um, and this is about your strengths. All of us are given a gift that we uniquely provide this world. So what is your Superman strength? I think it's communication. It's mm. leaving the ego as much as possible outside of the conversation and trying to focus on solving the situation, the problem, not saying, you know, I called him, he never called me back or stuff like that. For me, it's all about, okay, here's a here's a problem. How do we solve it, right? Once you leave that ego aside, and you open the communication line, normally that's 50% of solving the situation just by opening communication line. And the open communication line, you need to try and leave as much ego as possible out of the way. Not easier said than done, but if you, I, I've been practicing it for almost 20 plus years. So that helps. Communication is key. Yeah. And that leads us to the very last question. And this is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you, maybe get involved in one of the groups that you we've mentioned throughout the podcast. So um, what is the best way for somebody to reach out and get in contact with you? Yeah. So the easiest way to remember is my web identity is simply do it. Simply do it. If you just put anywhere, simply do it or simply do it real estate or simply do it, Danny, most likely you will find a website or social media. So that'll be the easiest. We have our website, simplydoit.net. Um, our email, direct email is meet, like meeting, meet at simplydoit.net. Reach out. You know, mm-hmm. we're very good with working and communicating and uh, not so good with sales pitch and boot camps and stuff like that, which we don't even have. So, you know, <laughs> people are very intimidated. They're going to sell me something. Uh, let's talk. You know, when people say, I will say, let's talk. We'll, we'll see if it's good. If it's a good fit, let's let's maybe work together. Maybe it's not a good fit. That's okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. That is simplydoit.net. I will put that link in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Danny and get involved in what he's doing out there, go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. And in there, you can find Danny's URL. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Much appreciated. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at therealestateinvestingclub.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. 
Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.